One of the things that like has been a weird thing for me in this job is that like as the athletic director, um, like I make everybody really nervous. Like (laughs) whenever I show up places, like I walk into like volleyball practice and everybody's like, (laughs) and, um, and so one of the ways I've tried to combat that is like, I'm not Mr. Eslick. I'm not coach Eslick. I'm not coach E I'm Doug. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Only yeah. by my first name. And so um, our players call me Coach Doug here. And, That's good. Uh, okay. And I'm just like, you know, some little middle school, you know, cross country runner, you know, he'll start stuttering over. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. hey, man, it's just Doug. It's just Doug. Yeah. You know, yeah. whatever. Just try. That's a great to come back. Yeah, I don't know if it works or not, but that's um, and then nobody has to remember how to pronounce Eslick, which is added. Welcome to another episode of Life on the Road, the podcast that takes you on a journey of the professional coach. From the high school coaches to college coaches, it's a great episode we have in front of us. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Scott Bolwidge, with Alfonso Key. And Coach Key, tell us a little bit about our special guest today. Well, we have a special guest um, in the profession that shows you more than one side of, of the job. Um, a guy that's been at the highest level with a great program at University of Ohio Chapel Hill. Um, has been the Mercer, um, Gardner World Styles, but also had some forks in the road and decisions to make to continue his career. So look forward to hearing what makes him tick, what makes him lead, and, and where he's at now, um, how he got there. Our guest today is the head coach at Forsyth Country Day in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Coach E, Coach Doug, Coach Doug Eslick. How are you doing today? Doing great, Coach. Appreciate you guys uh, having me on. I'm thankful for the opportunity. Well, we're glad a guy like yourself with a dynamic role is a chance to make some time for us because as a head coach, a very successful one, and a minister, I'm pretty sure your day is pretty stacked. There's uh, there's always something going on, Coacher. There's always something, man. But I'm um, always glad to make time for good friends like you guys. We appreciate it. And, you know, we know you have a busy day right now, so let's hop right into it. So first question, what made you want to get into coaching and where was your first coaching job? Um, You know, I I always loved the game uh, and and I was just an average player and uh, I knew that my my path as a player was going to be a short one. And so if I want to stay involved in, in basketball, coaching was the the route. Um, and so I, I really had kind of nailed in that that I really wanted to coach basketball. I wasn't sure kind of what level, but but as a as a high school sophomore, I told my high school coach, um, you know, hey, I, I really want to I really want to coach ball. Like I, I think that's where uh, my future lies professionally if, if I can make it happen. Um, and so when I chose to go to the University of North Carolina, I, I, ma- I double majored in, in business and American history. Um, and my thought process was just from, you know, mentors that had talked to me about the coaching profession. Uh, if you have a, a degree in something where you can go get certified to teach, that gives you options at the high school level. Mm-hmm. And then a kind of a general um, uh, a degree that can 
provide you opportunities outside of the business. Um, because if you go into coaching, the, the question is not, will you get fired, but when will you get fired? So, um, my, my thought, even (laughs) as a a 15 year old kind of working through all that was, um, Hey, if I, you know, I get stuck, I need to go work at a bank, you know, boom, I got this business degree. And, um, if I end up wanting to be in high school, I can teach history. I love history. And so, um, that was my plan. Um, I, I decided, to, to go to, to Carolina because they had a JV team. And, okay. and I thought that um, I might have an opportunity to, that would kind of be my way into that program as if I could make that team. Um, and that's how it worked out. And at, at Carolina, you get to play two years on the JV team, and then you either make varsity or, you know, it's over for you. And, um, and what my whole plan was, uh, was that I was going to play for two years and then be a manager or a student assistant with the JV team or, or what have you, you know, be able to establish a relationship as a player and then be able to get into the, you know, helping in any way they would let me side. Um, and as you know, the, the coaching carousel turned after my sophomore year, I was done playing. I played for um, Doug Wojcik, who's now um, an assistant coach at Michigan State. Um, but at the time he was coach Doherty's top assistant and, and that staff got let go after my, uh, sophomore year and coach Williams staff came in and I was fortunate that I had worked, uh, camps out at Kansas as a high schooler. And so I knew that staff a little bit, um, mm-hmm. B McGrath and Jared Haas, um, cause they were really involved in running. They were GAs out at Kansas. And so they were super involved. With camps. Yes. And so I had three summers of four summers of kind of getting to know those guys. Um, and so when they got to Carolina, CB was the operations guy and, and Coach Haas was the third assistant. And so he ended up being the JV head coach. And I talked with him about, hey, I, I would lo- I'd really love to be able to help you um, kind of as a student assistant. And so I did that. Uh, my junior year at Carolina, and then also um, volunteered helping in the weight room, like cleaning up, loading racks. Mm. Um, one of my little jobs was I made the post-workout <clears throat> smoothies for everybody, like, <laughs> you know, like whatever, whatever I could do just to really be around. Back around. Yes. And that allowed me to go to every practice. And so I was, as Coach Williams and his staff were kind of getting their feet under them that first year, I was at every practice, um, which was fantastic uh, experience for me. My senior year, uh, the, the the folks over at the North Carolina School of Science and Math called um, our athletic trainer skates and said, "Hey, we need a we need a coach. Um, you know, do you know anybody that might be good?" And he recommended me, and so I had an opportunity to be um, a high school coach. And I had an older gentleman that worked with me, and we kind of partnered on it. But he let me do kind of whatever I wanted from a basketball standpoint. And so I got to learn a ton doing that. And I had a little AAU team at that point um, that I was coaching as well. And then my first job after I graduated was director of basketball operations at UNC Greensboro, working for Mike DeMint. Um, That is how, you know, that was kind of the, the, the trajectory for me. Um, And then was fortunate from there to get an assistant job at Gardner Webb. And that was my first time um, as a full-time assistant on the floor and all that. I was getting paid like crazy coach. I got, (laughs) um, 
I got sixteen grand uh, in oh, a, a meal card. I thought that I, um, <laughs> I was jackpot. The, I, I, co- I was the richest twenty three year old in in America. I was like, this is crazy. They're, hey. they're paying me. Yeah, at, at the G, like I got like five grand for running yeah. camp. Right. So <laughs> you know, like that was it. And then at Gardner Webb, when I was actually getting a check each month, um, and I got to go and eat. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> hey, you know, um, coach, uh, I'm just so impressed that you're and you had the vision um, at a young age to get your career going because, you know, it's, it's like a box of chocolate. But for you to pick a school and just kind of have a plan before then and the school you picked um, um, might be the best basketball program ran school in America. Um, so you're very fortunate to pick that school and just um, kind of picking your way of working, um, not no entitlement not trying to get a job, JV, two years working. I love you said in different areas, be around basketball at every practice. And boy, were you fortunate to have some heavy ways to come and mentor you. But just seeing you now, see where it started. Most of us didn't know at that age our trajectory. And I think that's the best way um, from the ground floor to get there. One of my um, mentors, Rick Duckett, um, was a GA um, way back in the day for a guy named Dean Smith on the same staff of Roy Williams and Fogler and just getting those responsibilities um, as a coach from the ground floor up. I, I think you did the same way um, really results to high level success. Yeah. It's um, it was a great path for me and I was learning things that I didn't even know what I was learning. If that, if that makes sense, Good like, question. like when you look back on it, you're like, Oh, like, like That's I remember just, there, there's two things like from my time at Carolina that like when I look back on it, I was like, I learned something really important about the business or about coaching or whatever. And the first is my um, going into my freshman year at Carolina, I went up um, one spring like to, you know, see campus and do tour or whatever I was, you know, whatever I was on campus for. And um they had just gone, that was uh, Joe Forte and all that. They had just gone to the final four and in the pit there in, in Chapel Hill in giant blue paint, they had painted Darty is God. Wow. And two years later, they ran him up out of there. Man. And that, like, when I look back on it, I was like, that's coaching, yeah. right? Like that's the business. In right. That's show. You go from God mm-hmm. to we never want to see you or hear from you. You burned our program to the ground. And then, like, what people forget is that that national championship team in 2005, other than Marvin Williams, was all that was, that was Darty, yep. Coach Wojcik, yep. Coach Kason. Like, that was yep. all their kids. Mm-hmm. And then Marvin obviously was a big deal, but he came off the bench. Yes. Right. The starting five was. Yes, he is. No question. It and this is a thankless those, profession. Yeah. And so, anyway, that, like, when I look back on that, I was like, wow, that was a, that was a, 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 a huge learning moment for me. And then the other one was, my uh, coach Williams first year there, they had a, a really rough year as he's like kind of getting it all figured out and all that kind of stuff. And they are uh, in a, a postseason practice. And, and if I remember right, they were going to the NIT um, that, that year in 2004. I think I'm remembering that right. Um, but it was, you know, 
struggle through the year, what have you. Mm. And they are doing a three-on-two, two-on-one drill. Um, and coach is stopping it and is teaching the bounce pass and the angle that you follow wow. pass. And this is in like March. <laughs> and like none of them kids wanted to hear any of those details. And Coach Williams did not care. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is how we do it this yep. is the right way to do it and he was so relentless Goodness. with the way that he believed the game should be played mm-hmm. and he you know like hey this is how you run a three on two fast break dog on it and you're gonna do it exactly <laughs> right period so stay here as long <laughs> as you make us stay and and i just remember um like thinking back on that as I was, you know, doing deal with my little AAU team or as yes. we got into, you know, working for other men. And, um, and I just remember I, I thought back on that moment yes. so many times because at the time I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, golly, coach, like, <laughs> come on. Right. Like, yes. This is OD, man. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and he's and, a high uh, to all Americans is it's like it's like that's but but that's why he's a whole thinker right it's because of those details and that relentless focus on him and demanding it and the accountability for his players you know no matter what else was going on Mm -hmm. and um you know those if I look back on that time like those are two lessons that I have held on to tightly from um my time when I, yeah, you're right. I was so fortunate to get to be around all of those people. It's uh it was unbelievable learning opportunities for me. So we, we go from, you know, on our journey, we go, go from Carolina to, to high school, to UNCG. Now we're at Garner Webb. Now where's our next stop after Garner Webb? So I was at, at Gardner Webb for four years. Okay. Um, and uh, Rick Scruggs was our, our head coach, and he got uh, he got fired. And um, it's great. My my poor wife, man. We were engaged uh, to to get married in in May of what would that have been? Twenty ten. Um, and I'm on the road. I'm in Oklahoma at a the junior college regional tournament. I get the call that they fired uh, Coach Scruggs, and. Um, and I call my wife and I'm like, hey, you know, we got fired, whatever. And she's like, what does that mean? I was like, I got to go find a job. Uh, <laughs> here's, and- here's the good news, Coach. The good news, $16,000. So you guys are covered at least <laughs> for mean, the next 10 years. You're good. You ain't got to worry about bills, house paid hey, for. Hey, uh, as long insurance. as they would just let me up in that uh, in that cafeteria, like we're good. <laughs> we're good. Like, you know, my lady that that did the uh, the salad bar, like she let my wife Shout out. Like we were good. We were good. <laughs> You know, we weren't going to starve. Might be living in the car. <laughs> so we've got you know wedding and all that all planned. And um, and before we left, I ended up getting uh getting a job at Mercer University. Okay, as an assistant coach working for Bob Hoffman, and um, so I get that job, and then we go on our uh, go get married, go on our honeymoon, and we come back, and the very next day I leave and go to Macon for good. That's a great first impression, marital bliss. My wife is in Gastonia. We get off the plane, we <laughs> unpack, and I am gone. And uh, and so we 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 had this place in Gastonia where we were going to live because she was working in Charlotte, okay. and I was in Boiling Springs. Boiling Springs. 
Yep. The beautiful metropolis. Metropolis. <laughs> and so that was where we were going to live. And we, we never lived there. <laughs> we, had, we never lived there. And uh, so, so like, so that was first of June. And so, so for two months, our first two months of marriage, um, we didn't live together. And um, welcome to being a coach's wife, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so we did that for seven years. And then I got um, an opportunity to go to UNC Wil- Wilmington with um, C.B. McGrath, who I mentioned earlier, who I got to know at Kansas and then at Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, was there for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, they they fired Coach McGrath uh, midway through the season of our third year there at Wilmington. And that was in 2020. And so um, the world stopped spinning, uh, complete insanity. And uh, and that's how I ended up um, here. But yeah, just uh, um, I was really, really fortunate at a really young age to get an opportunity in, in Division One basketball and even more fortunate to be able to be an assistant in, you know, I mean, I was 24, yeah, 24 years old. Um, Big contract. Gardner Webb, you know, um, and so, you know, to be able to have um, that many years of uh, of experience in that profession was was awesome for me. And uh, when when Coach McGrath got let go in in um, January of 2023 or 2020, Mm -hmm. um, my little girl was going to be. A, a year before kindergarten. So she's going to be in like 4k or, or you know, whatever you call right. that. And um, when we, when we moved to, when I moved to Wilmington, um, she was just over one year old and, um, and I missed her first steps. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, we hadn't celebrated a birthday on her birthday ever. Yeah. Um, wow. And, you know, this was, uh, you know, the second time that, that my boss had been fired and I was out of a job and I just was really looking for some stability. Um, just felt like, man, if, if I'm going to provide and, and, and be the head of my household, the way I've been called to be um, like moving my girls all over creation and, and not knowing what's next. Yes. Like that just isn't what I want for our family. And so I went to our, uh, career services lady there at UNC Wilmington. And that's just, she was awesome. Um, and I just said, Hey, look, um, treat me like I'm a 22 year old senior getting ready to graduate. And I, yes. and I say to you, Hey, I have no idea what I want to do. Right. So we did like the strengths assessment, the, the career stuff we did, we did all of that. Um, and I interviewed everywhere. I talked to anyone who would talk to me. I mean, wow. I, it was it was an interesting time. I mean, I uh, two different banking jobs, a um, yeah. financial advisor deal, a um, medical device sales rep position. Wow! Um, yeah, involved in two different high school jobs, um, basketball stuff, um, and so I, I really tried to keep as open a mind as I possibly could. And and really try to see what was next. Um, and the way it all unfolded, you know, the 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 Lord's hand was really on it that that I ended all up all the time having having the opportunity that I ended up getting. Um, 
it's a crazy story. But, but anyways, this is, this is where I ended up. Um, and at the end of the day, kind of had two like really good options in front of me that I was excited about this one. And then I got offered a job working for, um, striker medical device devices as a sales rep, um, right. tremendous opportunity. And when I really thought and, and prayed through those things, I just, you know, I just couldn't get away from the game. Yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't. Um, that, that, that's what you are. The connection with kids, the time in the gym, the, um, I just could, I just could not, you know, and I was like, look, I go and do that and I hate it. Yeah. I can always go find one of these other things. But if I never try being at the high school level and seeing how that lives in my yes. life, then I'm always going to wonder, um, you know, hey, what if I had done that? How would that have been? What would our life look like? And um, and so it was just really, really, really fortunate to to get the opportunity here. And so, um, yeah, that's the that's the path. It's been um, it's been a it's been an interesting one for sure. Well, and, uh, you 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 describe. I'm sorry, you describe basically the journey, kind of the focus and the foundation of of our podcast uh the journey we talk about the highs and lows but i appreciate you sharing just the behind the scenes with the families because we affect every aspect of our family the moves the 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 worst timing um firings you know not for us but your child is going from one step to another um i miss christmas a couple times with my son i miss thanksgiving a few times but um, i wanted to share a story with you um you being humble um but a friend of mine, Robert Bricky, um, real good friend, fraternity brother, and we worked together at Fayetteville State. So one um, tournament year, he lives in Raleigh, and he had some tickets to go watch Duke play um, Mercer. So you were on that staff at Mercer. It was in Raleigh. So now the rule is when someone gives you tickets, you kind of got to sit in that section and pull for them outwardly. Um, so I'm there. I think um, Jason – was Jason Williams' mom there? Steph Curry's dad might have been there. So we're in the group, Coach K's um, oldest daughter, so an AD. So I'm speaking to everybody in the Duke section. You know, very grateful for Coach for getting the tickets. I'm there. I'm seeing you on the sideline. So um, I apologize. I didn't cheer for you outwardly, but inwardly I was pulling for you. And I saw you. Um, you had your, your rolled up um, program. Um, I don't know why you get a tech. You stood the whole entire game, but that was a tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, you were up and down, but you did a tremendous job. That was a great win. And it was in Raleigh, I think. So you guys came from out of state to ACC Tobacco Road. And but I, I don't understand why you were so motivated by look at your background, the Chapel Hill. You stood the whole game. You got on the refs, um, the play. Years and squared away, but I was there sharing that moment with you, beating Duke um, in the tournament. Um, Y'all had a tremendous team that year, but I apologize for not outwardly showing how excited I was as I was sitting in the Duke section. Uh, uh, Coach, I, I forgive you if if the, our roles had been reversed, I would have been sitting on my hands too, man. You, you don't want uh, Mickey Krzyzewski turning around <laughs> and because uh, she'll, she'll let you have it, Coach. <laughs> so, Coach, let, let's let's go back and. and you know, talk about that decision 
to step away from the college level, you know, and this is a big thing that, that, you know, with, with everybody, their journey and that decision, you know, you talk to some coaches where they're just lifers and they'll take any job, go anywhere, leave their family behind and talk about, you know, the importance of, you know, family and what it means to you and how really like that, that's the the core of you know your foundation and you know you as a coach and how that carries into your coaching career yeah you know i just it, what would have been interesting is if it hadn't been 2020 right if it had been 2019 and it'd been a normal cycle um the year before i was involved with um another job, an off the floor spot at a high major. Um, and the year before that, I was a finalist for a division two head job that I ended up pulling out of. Um, and it would, what would have been really interesting is if coach had gotten fired and I went through all of that and then it had some options at the college level, what I would have done. Right. Because in 2020, the decision got taken out of my hands Right, because there was there was nothing. There was no movement, you know, college wise, like like there there was I didn't have any options at the college level. And so that really got taken away from me. Um, And to be honest, like when, you know, I think back on it and look back on it, like at the time, it was unbelievably frustrating. Because, you know, even if you, you want to have, you know, the opportunity to no do a job and, you know, maybe say, well, it's just not right, what what have you. But those those things didn't present themselves at that time. Um, and so all of my options were those other things. They were completely outside of basketball and it was at the high school level. And those were the, the those were the choices in front of me. Um, you know, would I have taken a college opportunity? you know, we'll, we'll never know. Right. But, you know, it's one of the many times in my life, uh, that, you know, what I might've wanted was the opposite of what was best for me and my family. Um, and you know, God is so good to us in the ways that he knows us and protects us from ourselves. Um, in, uh, in, in 2014, after we, um, beat Duke and all that. I was a finalist for the head job at Armstrong State in right. uh, in Savannah. Okay, and I would have crawled across broken. Yeah, that's a great job. Get that job. I wanted it so bad. Um, mm-hmm. Evans Davis was the kind of interim that was holding it together, and it, it really came down between me and him. And I wanted it so bad, and they went with Evans, which I mean, tremendous coach, great yeah. man. Um, uh, they they probably made the right choice there, but you know, three years later, that school eliminates its athletic programs. Wow. Um, and you know, and Evans is out of a job and ends up at Alcorn, and like you know, all all the, the road that he's had to go down. But um, you know, I was at, at that time while all that's happening, I'm getting the job at UNC Wilmington, mm-hmm. and so you know, if I'm there, how does that all work? You know, who knows. Exactly. Um, but you know, just, there's been time and time again, where like what I've really, really wanted, you know, as you look back, it's like, man, that, that wouldn't have been good for me. Yeah. Um, So you were, you were blessed. Yeah. 
Yep. And um, so anyway, you know, I, I don't want to give myself too much credit in saying, um, you know, I had made this decision that college coaching was not good for my family. I was going to put my family first. I right. didn't care if if uh, Bill Self offered me a job. I right. wasn't. Right. I, I, mm-hmm. But let's, let's call it what it was. Like, yeah. I had no options. And so I had to choose from what I had to choose from. But in my mind, coach, the, you know, I had at that point, you know, put in whatever it was, uh, you know, 16 years of, yeah, of Division one basketball. Um, I had, you know, interviewed for at that, by, by then I'd interviewed for, for six different division two head jobs, mm-hmm. um, at, you know, I, I had been down all these different roads and I felt like I had poured everything I had into that business and it was not, I, I, I didn't feel like, um, the path that to, to being, you know, my, my goal of being a college head coach, I just didn't see that path as one that was realistic any longer. And I didn't feel like I, I, I kind of got to the point where I just said, I, I don't know that I'm worth, I'm, I'm willing to pay the price yes. that it will yes. cost me. It's to costly. You down that path. It's costly. And, um, you know, I mean, great example. After our first year at UNCW, I was a finalist for the the head job at Arkansas Fort Smith, mm-hmm. uh, which is an unbelievable, like, top twenty five Division two program, like yes. unreal setup, like unbelievable. And I went out and interviewed, and I'm sitting on the plane, getting ready to head back, and I felt like it had gone great. And mm-hmm. I thought I had a great op- chance to get to get the mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking about my girls that I had just moved from Macon to Wilmington. Um, wow. We were, you know, we were scrambling, trying to get players like I was gone like crazy. Um, and the thought of packing them up, we just bought a house in Wilmington, like Thank thought of, of like saying, hey, Girls, this is what we're doing. Um, yes. We moved to Arkansas. We're going to sell this house that we've lived in for less than a year. We're <laughs> new friends. Like, I was just like, I can't. It's insane. I can't. I can't. I can't do that to my family. Like that's no just question. not. It's. It, I, I can't do it. Um, and so, like, you know, and then you start thinking about, okay, you know, we want to live within driving distance of our our, our family. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. Eight hours, try eight hour circle around Winston-Salem. Um, you know, I got to be able to make a living. Right. And so I got to make a decent wage. Well, I just eliminated ninety <laughs> percent <laughs> of the coaching jobs out there. Right. Um, you know, like I'm not going to be an assistant at yeah. Longwood to make mm-hmm. 30 with yep. a wife and a kid. I'm not doing it. Like it's a 14 month job too, not 12, 14 month job. You know, like hours up. I'm just not like, you know, there's some things that like some parameters that I I just wasn't willing to do. And so when you like go through all of that and you're like, okay, well, how many jobs meet the parameters that I feel like would serve my family well? And then you say, what are the chances of me getting those jobs? Right. And you start really 
drilling in on what that means and the price you have to pay and the impact it has on others that you love and care about, you know, and I just, I just had reached the point where I was just like, I'm not willing to pay that price any longer. And coach on that point, you just trust me, the journey is going, you talk about the, the cost and the price that we pay on the professional side, the price we pay, we do get back in our growth sometimes in jobs, but the cost you pay personally with your family and missed out, you never get that back. Yeah. So that is a, a, a full-time price that is not reciprocated. You don't get that time back, those birthdays, what have you. So when you said that, but coming down to home stress, I had this, just a, a question for you. Um, yeah. Currently, where you're at now, um, and our show was dynamic. We've had um, high, mid, and then we want to educate people to basketball opportunity. Now, you're in a great situation. Talk to me about your school, private, prep, um, public. Educate someone's never seen or yeah. understand the level you're at and, and what it represents. Yeah. So for Scythe Country Day, um, we've got uh, we're a private school. We're okay. in Louisville, North Carolina, which is right outside of Winston-Salem. Um, and we've got this huge, beautiful campus that um, and, and facilities that, you know, I've, I've been at multiple colleges that would be really envious of the, the setups and, and support that we have here. Okay. Uh, but we're pre-K through 12th grade. Uh, we've got about 950 students. When you wrap all that in, we've got about 330 in our high school. Okay. Um, and we uh, we offer... Uh, 15 different sports over the course wow. of the year, um, 57 teams, middle school and, and upper school, uh, just a, a huge um, offering of, of after school athletic opportunities for, for our kids. Uh, unbelievable academic setup. Um, I mean, we've last year we graduated a kid that went to NC State. For their um, Park Scholars, their you know biggest scholarship program, okay. we graduated okay. a Moorhead Scholar at to Carolina. Um, we had three kids go on to Ivy League. Uh, kid okay. go wow. Point a kid go to Navy. Um, wow. I mean, it's the uh, the academics here are are just remarkable. And and the really cool thing about our place is we have this whole arm called the Johnson Academic Center, okay. and it's and it's functions like those of us that have been at the college level are used to having, you know, an academic advisor and a study hall monitor and tutors. Well, that's what the Johnson Academic Center is. It provides one-on-one instruction. It provides tutoring. It provides executive function skills. Um, It can even, we can even do one-on-one or small group, single course classes for kids that need that. I mean, it's just a remarkable support structure that is is really like i mean university it, it really is i mean the, the experience here is is amazing from an academic standpoint and my challenge as i became the athletic director here three years ago was how do we let our community know mm-hmm. that if you want to go to princeton academically this is the place for you everybody knows that mm-hmm. oh what, what if you are a swimmer that's going to have division one swimming opportunities what mm-hmm. if you're a, a young lady that plays field hockey and is being recruited division one you know boys and girls basketball soccer golf what have you 
Um, it, how do we not only provide those opportunities for our kids, but let our community know that if you're wanting to chase your athletic dreams, you can have that and be and in an academic environment that's second to none. That's the gateway. And how do we do that? And um, in my three years here, we've had uh, on average 15 kids out of an average graduating class of about 60 go on to compete collegiately in, in a number of different sports. That and is enormous because the average is three to four percent. So you're talking about your percentages dwarfs that. 20 plus percent, wow. right? Like of our seniors go on to compete at the next level in, in a number of different sports. Um, and it's just, it's really cool to see like us provide that, those kind of opportunities, that kind of coaching and training and, and we, you know, hiring a full-time strength coach and like the things that our, our school has committed to, to provide those opportunities at the highest level for our families is really neat. Um, and so being a part of um, a leadership team and, and a board of trustees, uh, you know, overall school leadership that understands that academics are the front or um, excuse me, athletics are the front porch mm-hmm. of our mm-hmm. amazing academic yes. house. It's right? 90% of the people who come onto this campus are here to watch an athletic event. Yeah. And that's their introduction to our place. And so when they see great athletes conducting themselves with high character and great coaches, um, amazing facilities, they start going, huh, maybe maybe we should take a tour and check this hey, place coach, out. Coach, I'm ready to sign now. Uh, there you I'm go. Ready. Come on, <laughs> I'm gonna coach. Go I've yeah. seen that jump shot. We'll, we, we'll sign you up, baby. <laughs> right. We go, hey, the only problem is we're going to have to die. You've got to look like that gray coming in. We, hey. we that hair, or they'll be pulling birth certificates on. Hey, me. that that's Bob Burke, Jerry East, Philip <laughs> Stitt, Byron Samuel, Steve Sarid. Yeah, you know about that. Uh, the devil wears Prada haircut, no question, Coach. But appreciate you sharing that with us. Ecstatic, ecstatic about where you're at. Um, great services at a high level. So I know myself. I'm impressed, and I think the world. Is, is going to find out real soon. Appreciate that, Coach. It's a special place. So, you know, the the big thing for me is, you know, your transition from college to high school. Just a, real quick, just how, how has the lifestyle changed from that college lifestyle coaching to now the, the high school lifestyle coaching? You know, the, the biggest difference, Coach, for me is, you know, um, my my job at in college was was an inch wide and a mile deep. It was all ball all the time. Thinking about it, watching it on the court, on the phone, all basketball all the time. Um, and my job here is about an inch deep and a mile wide. Uh, you know, basketball um, absorbs about you know five percent of of my time, and the rest of my time is on trying to help manage and run a, a, a department. And um, and I think, you know, for high school coaches, all of us have a, a, a job that we do that pays our bills, right? Like whether mm-hmm. you're, a, you know, you're a real estate guy and so you've got some flexibility in the afternoons, whether you're a teacher, whether you're an administrator, wherever you are, you have a job that has nothing to do with basketball mm-hmm. that consumes the majority of your time and energy. 
And then the the basketball you do around it, right? So right. like for me, you know, nights, weekends, early mornings, like that's that's my basketball time, you know, 7.30 to, you know, whenever, 6, right. 7, right. 9, you know. Until. <laughs> until, you know, that's that's not basketball at all. Um, you know, so like today, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be here until, um, our field hockey game finishes up around, you know, 9 PM. And the only thinking that I'm doing about basketball is my time with you guys. Right. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be here from seven 30 until 9 PM. And I get this hour and change of talking and thinking about basketball. And that's an exceptional day for me. I get to do, <laughs> I get to do an hour of ball talking to you guys. Um, so that's the biggest, that's the biggest change. And the other thing I'll say is like the, the high school game and the college game are completely different. Right. The rules are different. The like coach, man, my first year, we lost probably two games in the last two and a half minutes because I had no understanding about clock management in, in a high school game. <laughs> like if you're down two possessions with two and a half minutes to play. Mm -hmm. Like, it's late game time, boys. Like, yes. you Alan, you better yeah. be running your quick hitter, catch and shoot uh -huh. freaks or yep. touch the paint, no like shot get, clock. Rim, yeah. get fouled. Um, but like not having a shot clock. Yeah, it, it, it messes your, everything up. And your player's ability to convert and make shots not being what it is at the college level. No question. Like, or execute. I mean, like you, you better go. Like, yes, <laughs> and that's kind of, that's my number now. If it's two, if it's two possession game, two and a half minutes, we're we're in late game mode. You know, like that's whether we're point. up and that's we're taking point. care of the ball, yes. or whether we're down and it's man, we better you know turn right. rim fouled or yeah. quick catch and shoot three. What are we running? Um, you know. So anyway, I like you know I'm like all right, we're down five, two and a half to play. <laughs> yeah, just get no stopped. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like 10 What's possessions left. We're fine. Easy. No, we're Plenty not. There's time. three possessions left. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you have the ball, um, most high school guys don't understand, well, we're trying to win the game. So if we have a lead, um, you know, there's no shot clock. So don't yep. take the first shot like you're down. Nope. It better be a dead layup. It better be a dead layup under two and a half, two possessions. It better be a dead layup. Got something um, great, too, then, from that. I lost a game on um I was out of timeouts and we scored and I couldn't I couldn't stop the clock and have mm. a timeout. Mm. Um, you know, and so like I learned that about like those timeouts are precious. You've yes. got to have them to be able to stop the clock because it's not like college where it's a make and the clock stop, you know, like mm -hmm. right. You just you learn all those all those rules and um, you know, the, the best learning for us coaches always happens when you do you make a decision or you mm -hmm. don't know something or you whatever and it costs you a game yeah. you know like you never forget that yep right. um, and so i had i have a plethora of those we all i do, do. want to add i want to add one thing I, I do know you have more weekends as a high school coach than you did as a college coach and your phone does go off sometime at night yeah as a college coach the phone stays on and there's no weekends. I found being a high school coach. There's something called Thanksgiving break and Christmas break. Which I had no I'm idea. Adamant about. We will play break. on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And then I will not see them kids again until Monday. Like, <laughs> I, that's what we're doing. And I know there's great Thanksgiving tournaments out there. And I'm sure it's a lot of fun. You will never yeah. see a team I coach participate. 
Likewise. I am great with a Christmas tournament <laughs> either yep. before or after, <laughs> but not both. <clears throat> and I know that there's uh, there's all kinds of coaches out there that, you know, play in that pre-Christmas and they finish yeah. on the 23rd and then they bring them back on the 26th and they play three games, 27, 28, 29. And uh, that will never happen. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're getting that week. And hey, if Coach. my little girl wants to go snow tubing, we're going, baby. Like, no question. Coach, <laughs> I, I, I love it. And, and concluding with Coach Bowage, you know, we always talk about, think about coaches in the locker rooms. I'm kind of paraphrasing. Faith, family, basketball, athletics. Right? We talk about it all the time. Family, faith, basketball, what have you. But then if you're having games where the kids are seeing their families, how are you being your word? If, you know, in, in this day and age for high school, you may have kids that come from one-parent homes. You might have a kid that has mom stays in Winston-Salem. Dad may stay in Georgia. So on a break, that's when they see each other. So I always thought it was funny. We talk about family first, academics, basketball, but as coaches, we're hypocritical. We're taking all the holidays away. So I'm with you on that. I just wanted to add in. It, Coach, you've so been much. tremendous. Yeah. There's so much hypocrisy in coaching. Like one yeah. of the things that I'm really adamant about, and our kids laugh at me all the time about it, but like we say team, we say yeah. together, or we say hard work, whatever, when we stack it up, you know, before practice, before games at the end, whatever. We don't say family. Because mm -hmm. I explained to them that we are not a family. That's we good. Team. And that's something really special. I like but that, Coach. If I'm at practice and my wife calls me and says, I need you to come home, I'm going home. Yeah. Because that's my family. Yeah. Like, and I love our kids that we get to coach. I appreciate them. I appreciate our coaches I get to work with. Like, that, I love all those guys. That's excellent. But when the rubber meets the road, my family is my wife and my baby girl, yep. and they come first. And yes. if one of our kids' moms or dads needs them, yeah. they come first. Right. And and I just I, I've has always bothered me. Right. When teams talk about like we're a family, we're a family. I'll pick, I'll pick on Duke, the brotherhood. Uh oh, they coach. <laughs> they ain't brothers, coach. They ain't brothers. They're <laughs> They are coaches. They're not brothers. <laughs> that always that's always driven me crazy because it's like, look, the show starts. What they're trying to say, right? Yes. Like that we want a relationship. No question. More than just me passing you the ball and you shooting it. And yes. I'm with that. I think that's important. And um, you know, and that's one of the great parts about being on a team. Yeah. But it, it's always like you in this business and you watch. Like we've all been in these in these meetings with these players that we've recruited and we yeah. tell them the problem and all that. And then we look at them and say, you ain't got a scholarship here no more. Right. Would you yeah. do that to your son? That's true. Of right. course not. Mm -hmm. Of course not. Like if, if I coached my little girl and she wasn't good enough to have a scholarship at whatever college I was at, they're firing me before I'm taking her off that team. Right. Good point. Because she comes first. Yeah. Yes. And like, I mean, you know, I mean, I've sat there, you know, and listened to my head coach and yeah. co-signed like not renewing, not renewing kids. Yeah. Um, On both ends, though, they'll go one, two, three family um, transfer portal on a yes. contract year. 
Yep. yep. They'll, they'll say it. Family love you, coach. I'm going, I'm going to University X. And by the way, it's your contract year and you'll probably get fired. Family yep. on three. Family on point. And, and like that's in our, our kids. So anytime we have a new kid join our, our team, like I'll, I'll always like we'll pick a kid to say, you know, whatever we're going to say yeah. at the end of the day. And so they'll like prep the new one be like, hey, hey when coach asks you what to say, say family. Because <laughs> they make fun of me about my speech every yeah. time. They just they That's love it. Stuff. They think it's the funniest thing. And um I just I think that's important, man. Because like, like you said, like we have to be authentic. Yes. What we're saying and what we're yeah. about. And, and if we're saying yeah. family comes first, mm-hmm. who are we talking about? Right? Like I'm not talking about this kid that I'm coaching. I'm talking about Ashley and Greer, like when I say yeah, family. No I question. Think, I think that's really important. Remind you for Coach, I mean, I'm going to send you a brotherhood t-shirt. Uh, but Coach, what are you saying, Coach Bo Wage? So th- this, this leads up to one of our final segments. Uh, we're chaining it up. We're going to call this our no disrespect ultimate coaching staff. So you've been around uh, some great coaches through your, through your journey and we have to build a coaching staff. So your dream school calls you, and I'm assuming it's not going to be in Durham. It'll be in Chapel Hill. <laughs> uh, but they, your dream school calls you, and you have to put together your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, recruiting coordinator, and your associate head coach. Who could be one of those three coaches or just somebody who's always had the answers when you've needed some help along the way. So who is our offensive coordinator going to be? So I'm going to answer this two different ways. Of course. And the, the first one is, is that um, the staff that we have put together here this summer, if I got just about any college coaching job, I'd be hard pressed to top them. Um, okay. We've got uh, Andre Gould. Okay. Who is an absolute legend in basketball. Mm-hmm. He is. In Tell him I said hello. He is fantastic. He would be my defensive coordinator. Okay. I have uh, Whit Holcomb Fay, who uh, is Man. in the Hall of Fame at Reynolds High School. Yeah, I'm recruiting him. Dynasty. And yeah. uh, is in the Hall of Fame at Radford and is one of the smartest yeah. basketball minds I have ever been around. Um, I would have to be our offensive coordinator. I've got um, Mike Russell, who is the lead developer at CP3 Academy, who is unbelievable connecting with and developing kids and impacting their lives. And then I've got uh, a gentleman named Trey Williams, uh, who is a parent of of one of our kids. I coached Trey at Greensboro College. Hey, uh, Get out of here. I call him. I call him at all hours of the night, and that man has talked me off of more ledges than <laughs> I can possibly count. That's an important role, coach. You got to hey, have that guy. So valuable. Yes. So, I mean, if if uh, if if Mike Jones, um, you know, got whatever Virginia Tech tomorrow, and UNCG called and said, "Hey, we want you to be our head coach," I'd be crazy not to pack that group of men up. And mm-hmm. go over to UNCG and, and rock with it because they are fantastic. Um, so my, the second way I'll answer it is, guys. Previous to that, 
yeah, guys that I've worked with at the at the college level. Um, uh, my my offensive coordinator would be a man named Jason Aker, who's now the head coach at Oklahoma Baptist um, okay. out in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Worked with him at Mercer, and he is a fantastic. I know Jason. Fantastic offensive mind. Um, if you need some good stuff, pull it up on Synergy and uh, steal from from Coach Ake. Um, my defensive coordinator would be a, a man named Rod Jensen that I worked yes, with. Yes, UNCG. Uh, at, at UNCG. Yep. Um, he was the head coach at Boise State for a, about 10 years before he came to be with us at, at Greensboro. And um, and he had this matchup amoeba zone deal that like paired perfectly with his man defensive principles. Mm-hmm. It's the most elegant, like, two defense system. Um, I learned so much from him about the details of of teaching defense um, and how, you know, different defenses can complement each other. Uh, Just unbelievable defensive mind. My recruiting coordinator would be Andre Gray, who's the head coach at Elizabeth City State now. Um, I worked with him at at Gardner-Webb for Mm -hmm. one year. And then he got a job and I got promoted into his spot. And I, and uh, I was, man, talk about feeling rich. Got that 30 grand a year. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go buy a new car. Um, and I, but I, I love coach gray. The, 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 the thing that I learned working with him that I have carried with me to this day was when he does a scout, he always has a, an, an A option of how we want to guard something, a backup mm, option of how we want to guard something, and a C option, kind of break glass in case of emergency um, kind of deal. And so as we would go into a game, he'd say, you know, ball screen coverage, you know, A, we want to hard hedge that thing. You mm. know, if that's really hurting us, B, we're going to switch that's it, uh, you know, and break glass is, is going to be, um, you know, we're going to trap it or whatever. Um, I always, I've, I've always held on to that. Like you, you always go in with a backup plan, but you know, in right. your back pocket, have that. If like none of that's working. <laughs> and, we, and we have those nights that it's going to happen sometime. It's going to happen. Um, and you gotta have, you gotta have a kind of emergency option. And then um, my my associate head coach would be would be Bob Hoffman that I worked for for seven years at Mercer. Um, just unbelievable experiences, um, knowing how to team build, um, like just really creative fundraiser and connector in a community. Um, tremendous coach, uh, just just a fantastic manager of 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 a program Um, and you know i mean when when i've got basketball questions um you know he's he's always a go-to for me because he's just he's so smart um and there's i mean i've been so fortunate to be around a lot my my first staff at gardner webb was the third assistant Tim Kraft, who's now the head coach at Gardner-Webb, was our, our second assistant. And our top assistant was Chris Holtman, who's the head coach at Ohio State. That was our staff. Um, and so, like, you know, I mean, I could certainly have put either one of those men in any of those slots. And that's where the no disrespect prefix, no shade yeah, comes in. You know, it's yeah. like, how do you how do you figure all that out? But, um, but yeah, that's 
that's what I that's what I would do if I was um if I was trying to think through a um a college staff right now. I'm telling you what though, guys, I'd be kind of crazy not to take the guys I got right now and go where that's a heck of a staff. Yeah. Oh, you too, Kai. <laughs> yeah, that is a heck of a staff. And now we're we're heading to our final segment because we're we know we're running short on time with you. This is our coach is anonymous segment where we have a funny story about some anonymous coach that you you've come come across along your journey from a practice from uh, uh the recruiting trails somewhere along the line and you know if we're still in the statutes of limitations and you want to just call him coach we can but if you want to drop some names feel free uh so i've got i got two for you here we go use yes, all sir. the names so um in uh in 2007 i was assistant at gardner webb with uh chris holtman andre gray and and rick scruggs was our head coach and we were playing in one of those multi-team events where you know it's like four sites at the high majors and the winner out of those sites goes to madison square garden and plays in a you know final you know semi championship deal and um we were in kentucky's little bracket. So we were playing in Rupp Arena. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had Kentucky, uh, which obviously we were supposed to lose by 40. Yes. And um, we end up, we're, we're up going into halftime. And, uh, and it was my scout. And I'm like, you know, I hadn't slept. I had like seven Cokes <sighs> that day. Like I was like, you know, so pumped out of my mind. And like, we get in there and it's like, you know, we, Coach Scruggs gave us a ton of freedom as assistants to, you know, talk through game plan stuff or whatever. And so our, the assistant who had the scout, their role was go in there and kind of talk through calls, adjustments, whatever. And then coach would put a bow on it and then we'd go finish the game. So I get up there talking like a million miles an hour, like, <laughs> Fly. like so excited. And the kids are like, you know, they're super amped too. And uh, so coach gets up there. And uh, one of the things that I always really appreciated about Coach Scruggs is like he had a really clear um, understanding about family, team, job, home, where all of that right. lay. And um, w- anytime his wife called, and I mean anytime, <laughs> answer that phone. Uh, and that was a, a hard and fast rule. Middle practice, she calls. He's answering it. He's in a meeting with the president. He's answering it. And here, here we are at halftime of this game and we're up and we're all super amped and he's up there and um, he's talking about whatever he's talking about and his phone rings and he take, he wore it on in now it's 2007. So like he had a little holster like on his head. So he, and it's a flip phone. So he, yes. he pulled it out and he flips it open and we're all just like, this man is about to answer the phone. At, at halftime. Like this, you know, what anyway. And so he looks at the caller ID and then he closes it and he puts it back in his thing. He said, well, that was a former player. I almost answered and told him we're getting ready to go out here and whip Kentucky. And the locker room (laughs) explodes. (laughs) I mean, just explodes. It was like it, it broke the ice. 
it uh it, <laughs> it, it had those like it had all of it like we all are just dying laugh like it was exactly what we needed perfect it, we didn't we didn't need any more energy or any more focus or any more motivation we needed to relax right the coach's voice is legendary scrubs <laughs> and man it was so, oh god it was great that's one of the greatest so i will never forget that when he opened that <laughs> thing up i was like oh my god and uh and we were about to go out there and whip kentucky <laughs> and, and, and uh, yeah, those kids loved it um and that's one and then my second one my second year at mercer we okay. made our way to the cit championship game and the CIT, if anybody has never played in any of those weird postseason deals before, they bracket it all, and it's basically regional. And then they re-bracket it after each um, each round. Okay. And their their goal is to 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 limit travel, so you're not going all over creation or whatever. But as you get you know down to the right. end, there's fewer teams, and you Less know. Options. You yeah, you might be going all over the place. And so we beat um, at home Georgia State, Tennessee State, and then we go up to Old Dominion and we win at Old Dominion. And we sit on the bus after the game for 45 minutes trying to figure out what What's are we next? doing? Are we going um, home? Are we going to stay there? Are we going to the next place? Whatever. So we end up – our next opponent's going to be Fairfield. And so we – go to a, a hotel uh, there in Norfolk, um, get a sleeper bus for the next day and do the like 14 hour drive to <laughs> Airfield. Yes, I hope. We, we win that game. We fly home. The very next day we fly to Utah State. Um, I mean, we were basically gone for like 10 straight days and we didn't know when we were coming back and whatever. It was wild. So we're all the way out there in Utah State. And at this point, we are all cooked. Like, we are exhausted. And um, we're in this locker room, and they're really good. And if no, if you've never played at Utah State, it's one of the best college environments I've ever been a part of. I mean, unreal. And um, so we're in there and super nervous and playing for a championship and, like, you know, Secretly, all the assistants were like, can we just lose so that we can do the recruiting and like, right. I mean, for crying out loud. Yes. Then at this point, you're like, we've been doing this for three weeks. Like, we're one of like eight teams left in the country playing at this point. Like, now we're trying to win. Mm -hmm. You know, right. everybody's kind of that point where it's like, all right, now we want to yeah. want to get this championship. And uh, Coach Hoffman's up there, and he is – Coach is a, a, a huge believer. Doesn't curse. Um, his faith is a huge part of everything he does. The right. program, how we communicate, I mean, is, is central to his program is, is, is Jesus. Right. And I say all that to say, we're in the locker room, and he says, you know, we had a bunch of kids that had won state championships. That was really important to us to, to, yeah. to recruit, recruit winners. And so he says, you know, who's won a state championship in here? And he knows full well who has. And um, and so he starts calling on each of those kids. And it's like six of them. Mm -hmm. Wow. He's like, what was that like? How did that feel? You know, like whatever. And he gets to this young man named Travis Smith, who is now the head coach at uh, Johns Island uh, Charter School, right outside of Charleston, mm -hmm. South Carolina. And uh, Trav 
Um, unbelievable kid was our leading scorer, unbelievable player. Um, Trav enjoyed his college experience. <laughs> right. So coach gets to him and he's like, and he's like fourth on this now. Like Travis had some time to think about what yeah, was coming say. next. He had not spent any time thinking about his answer. So <laughs> coach says, Trav, what was it like? You know, how, how, how's winning a championship for you? And he, without any hesitation, said, coach, is better than six. <laughs> and like Coach Hoffman's face was just like, and our whole, I mean, just like the same kind of deal as the like our locker room just yes. oh, that's classic. Like, that is classic. To this day, one of the best <laughs> like locker room quotes of all time <laughs> that I've ever heard. I mean, it was just, it was, you know. It, it just it was tremendous, and knowing Coach Hoff and like how he communicates, right. it was so wildly inappropriate. Like, <laughs> just fantastic. So our kids, like at that time, um, like everybody was making the memes, you know, where you take the picture and yeah. the right. thing on the top, and then the thing on the bottom or whatever. And so somebody had taken a picture of Coach Hoff mowing his yard, and he's got this like real, you know, bemused look on his face. He's kind of like, you know, yeah. he's mowing his yard. And at the top, this is like two weeks later. At the top, it says, you know, um, now that I'm married, you know, the bottom of it says, I'm going to have to agree with Trav. <laughs> <laughs> that made the round on the, on, the, on the various group texts, you know, inside of our program. It's just, um, oh, man, fantastic. Fa two fantastic memories of just like, you know, all the stress and anxiety that goes with competing. And then when, uh, you know, when Perfect it time. isn't about that for a minute and it's just about, you know, this camaraderie you have and the right. team that you're on, yes. yep. the personalities the, that have come timing. together. Yeah. The just timing of it. Well, I know you have a plethora of stories and look forward to getting to round two. I know in, in the small print, uh, we need um, a T-shirt um, sent to us and go come and get a game ticket. And I know you have some other stories uh, going way back to your UNCG days. So look forward to having you again, Coach. And Coach Bowett, send us off. So, again, Coach, we appreciate it. Love love the story. Love the background. Love hearing the, the importance of family and, and what it means to you. And I think that's something everybody listening to this uh, can take away and just really – honing in on, you know, what's important in a coach's life. So, Coach, we appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to catching one of your games somewhere down the road. Thank you, Large. guys. Yes. Great seeing y'all. All right. Always. Take care. Thank you, Coach. Another great episode of Life on the Road, this time with Coach Doug Eslick, the head coach at Forsyth Country Day. Just amazing to hear the importance of family and how family doesn't get lost in his life. And, you know, how, you know, he had to come to that fork in the road where it really wasn't almost a fork in the road. road. It just kind of guided him back to really focusing more on his family. Coach Key, any final thoughts and comments on our conversation today? Another phenomenal story. Um, just kind of reminds all of us that these um, 
life on the road journeys are always rocky. It's not going to be smooth, but end up very well. I'll get a chance to lead a program and take a role as an athletic director while being a championship coach at home with his family. So great episode. Look forward to seeing him do great things um, down in Winston-Salem. All right, Coach, let's take it away. Well, until next time, Coach, keep it in the road. And keep it between the lines. We want to thank you for your continued support of the Life on the Road podcast. Please comment on each episode and give us that five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on our YouTube page and follow us on social media at Coach AKSB. Thanks again to all of our guests and listeners. This wouldn't be possible without you.